my name is Jordan Jonas and I'm here to say (laughs) (laughs) so good dude like this is like the most like exciting five seconds of (laughs) 2020 Hello, what's up? This is Sasha. And this is Jay. And this is Shut Up, I Love It, a podcast where we invite a guest or guests to talk about something. Well, usually we talk about something underrated, underappreciated in the world. But this time we talk about a pretty popular TV show and one of the, spoiler alert, winners of this TV show. There's going to be a lot of spoilers for this TV show, by the way, going forward. So in the house, we've got Zach Green, the creator of TV show Alone. And woo! And we've got Jordan Jonas, the man himself who won season six, one of the most favorite seasons of the show on television. Yes, the man, the myth. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome. Zach and Jordan. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's cool to be here. Fun to be here. Yeah. Good to see you, Zach. <laughs> you too, Jordan. Been a little while. How yeah, are you, buddy? Yeah. How are you? Oh, good. Doing great. How about yourself? Busy. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, keeping busy. And you know, Jay, I know uh, you know you're. We were talking earlier. It's been, gosh, it's got to be at least ten years since we've we've caught up, hasn't it? Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw you, Zach. It was it was definitely like a decade ago. I don't know I, what show. What was it? Jing? Did you work on Jingles? <laughs> Do you remember no, jingles? I think it, I think I do remember that. <laughs> it was what definitely Mark Burnett, Mark Burnett days. I think it might have been on the lot. Was it on the lot? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't remember because like all those shows kind of blended in with each other. But, mm-hmm. but Zach and I go way back. We used to... Uh, all the way back to Jingles. Yeah, all the way back to Jingles. <laughs> J- Jordan is a star of Jingles yeah, as well. Yeah. We're going to find out like mid, mid-episode. mid J- Jingles is a famous television show in a way because it was never aired. Uh, it was so bad. But uh, it was I, like I directed it and 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 uh, Mark Burnett produced it. And it was a Shout complete, out. It was a complete... Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show, Mark Burnett. And it was a complete disaster and debacle and CBS decided after they had shot the entire season that they could not possibly air this <laughs> television show because it would be an embarrassment. So I was yeah, partially right. responsible for that. But uh, Zach wasn't there. Zach, I know Zach from like the good old days of Mark Burnett from like Rockstar was a show we did mm-hmm. and on the lot. And, you know, we, we were uh, I have very fond memories of that of that time. And uh, and and Zach was a was 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 always like one of the best, you know, like like in that within the genre of unscripted television, you you come across a lot of a lot of shall we say uh, incompetent people. Uh, like, you know, you, you, you end up meeting a lot of people and and working with people on big big productions that, that are just yeah. complete morons. But Zach is the opposite of that. Like Zach was always like the A team. Let's get them specific too. <laughs> I, 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 I shall, uh, they shall remain nameless, but they know who they are. Um, but they're but listening the, as we the, speak. They're listening and they're plotting my destruction. But, um, but no, Zach was the opposite. Zach was like, like a superstar producer and always like just so pleasant and just so talented and oh and was, so it was just somebody you 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 loved being teamed up with because he he he, he gets he's, it. He's here, by the way. He gets it. Yeah, no, he's, he's right here. He's right. Here. I'm talking about yeah, you in the, the third person. But. The opposite, Jordan. Of what you got 
to experience actually yeah right? man so, boy yeah. <laughs> this has been really enlightening man. where'd that, that guy go on, yeah, yeah. on your show <laughs> this is yeah this is the child alone is the tv show that you created that is the most popular tv show ever and like just sucked the life out of you didn't it? i, I want to well just to clarify i just want to just take a one second to, to clarify. Uh -huh. So I was an executive producer on it, but I didn't create it. So it oh came. Boy, it was, I'm, and I, I'm and shutting I can, this down. Uh, <laughs> I can, this interview is over. We, we wanted to talk to the creator of creator. Alone. <laughs> it was it was born from uh, the History Channel and a group of people at Left Field Pictures, the production company, saying, how can we turn the mm -hmm. genre on its on its ear? So it was really, a, you know, a group of people coming together and saying, look, here's here's the survival genre here's what's the biggest flaw in it in that that the authenticity of that idea that you're you, you are truly in peril when the participants say they're in peril you know i'm gonna die if i don't eat i'm gonna die if i don't cross this river well there's a camera crew and a safety team and a production and those there's people prodding and pushing behind the scenes so it was an idea it was born out of this idea of how, how, how do we remove that obstacle and and that and so it was it was i just want to be clear that it was not one a one-man show by any stretch of the imagination there are okay. many well, in people my, in my heart you're it's the one-man show so <laughs> i am not convinced i don't know who these people are i don't really yeah. we, we, we just just let us live this lie that this illusion that we're under zach that you're, that you're the wizard of oz pulling all the strings but 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 no i mean like like we'll, we'll get into it later but 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 i mean that's definitely a thing that i gravitate toward on the show is is the lack of because like on unscripted shows you often um you know as a viewer at least I, I i can sense as a viewer that that the the producers or the network people are toying with the reality that's being captured and you, you can always feel that it's being produced or cooked quote, quote unquote but uh alone doesn't have that it's it's like pure first person cinema where where, where you <clears throat> you know you know it's it's like th th there's there's no like artifice toying with what's going on and and I think that's part of why the show is so good and and so so engaging to the yeah, viewer. Yeah. Let's um ask Jordan from the inside. When <laughs> were you the times that you most felt like you were on a TV show? Like when you had to talk to the camera or like like what was that experience like from uh, the inside? They do a pretty good job of making it like what they say, you know, uh it's you're pretty isolated. Even the med checks and stuff are pretty brief and i kind of enjoyed them trying to like you know trying to talk to the guys while they tried to be real serious and not interact with <laughs> no they were uh when was it the most like you're on a tv show i guess when you actually watch it you know because you only see so much of your time you know and so you're like you know then you're like oh there you go that's a tv show but it's actually pretty much pretty legit i don't know so your experience out there is totally I mean, really, they did a really good job. You wouldn't really think of it as a TV show from the time they drop you off to the time, you know, it ends. It's yeah, but uh, you say that, and yet while you're you're out there in the wilderness actually surviving for real, like the stakes are as high as they could be, but um, but at the same time, you're filming yourself, so, so you are kind of constantly reminded oh, that sure. you're there to film yourself. So, yeah, so that, yeah. I, you know, like, like, like what, what, what is that like to alternate between, like, you know, filming yourself for this television show that might still feel abstract, like it doesn't exist while you're in the moment, but but you you, you still you still have to capture all it. Right. All right. No, it does. I mean, you're definitely on a show. Yeah, you're definitely like mm. you know have to film it. But uh, I gotta say, the filming aspect of it, I kind of enjoyed because I was uh, had been in 
Siberia, you know, for months by myself, where I never got to, uh, you know, and it's just me by myself and you have all these crazy experiences and you just know nobody's ever going to share in it and you're going to forget about it. So it kind of, but but out there is like really cool to be able to film it and know that you're going to be able to share it with your friends and loved ones and stuff. So I actually kind of liked it, but it did cost me that first moose because i <laughs> forgot to grab mm-hmm. my arrows <laughs> if you don't know about the first moose i don't know what you're doing here you have to go watch go watch season, six. season <laughs> six and come back hungry for more inside story and by the way like jordan just you just dropped the s word siberia so just to make it clear i am from siberia born and raised right. western siberia Kemerova, right. yeah, Kemerova. So like, I actually pronounce it correctly. Like, no, Jordan has uh, <laughs> me. Do I? Yeah, you, you. <laughs> You're from there. You can't even say it. Kemerova, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, I was 19 when I left uh, and I came to America by myself. It's a whole thing, you guys. Oh yeah. But it is a thing of like when I heard about Siberia, like Jordan, I was like, well, I mean, I have to, I have to make sure, like. This guy, not like I make sure, but I want this guy to win. Yeah, you're rooting for him. <laughs> I just, it's like, no, that was cool though, because I was like, because like the it sounds like the Siberia that you spend time in is what people think of Siberia, right? right. right? And Kemerova right? <laughs> yeah. is like not the Siberia right. that people because Kemerova yeah. is just like a shitty town that could be like in the middle of America, pretty much. Yeah, it's right, like an right, industrial right. kind of like coal mining town, right? But it's still yeah. like like I think one thing people don't understand about Siberia is how enormous it is. Like, like it's like the size of the United States, and there's all different climates and areas of it. I think I think we as Americans we hear Siberia and we think like frozen tundra which there's probably a lot of that of course but but um but there's also like the areas near mongolia there's forests there's lakes i mean like there's all kinds of terrain so and when i say shitty i mean the best because i'm very very uh intense about protecting and defending my homeland oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) all right so yes Siberia. so jordan did you go to siberia since winning season six no we actually planned to go this year but i guess that got canceled so maybe next year but, uh, oh, from pande- from the yeah. pandemic, oh, yeah, yeah. pandemic, and so unbelievable. We're, we, yeah, <laughs> we're not, not this year. <laughs> Maybe next year, though. That's a. I mean, definitely want to go back. It'd be really cool to take the kids over. Got. Uh, it's more expensive now with all the kids. But <laughs> we got to do it. I can't imagine. You have what, three kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it'd be pretty wild. Nice, nice. Now, now I should we we need to take a second here because because we did we did this we did an alone podcast with my friend Zeb Wells like uh, like a couple months ago. This is what started this whole thing um, uh, and why, why we're here now um, because we wanted to do a show. Our friend Zeb was obsessed with the show. We hadn't seen it and so we watched it and, and became his huge wife fans. Heidi too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his wife Heidi mm-hmm. as well. And um, and so in and we did a podcast and in the podcast I have to I have to sit here and apologize because Let's please be, be, because because. At a certain point in the podcast, elephant in the room here. I I, I, I described Jordan your your voice, mm-hmm. and I was I was trying to give you a compliment, but it ended up sounding like a an insult. An insult. I'm already so, mad. So, I forget what I know. What, I know. Was, <laughs> <laughs> what, what I said was, and oh, I apologize. Boy. I, I said that your voice it. sounded like dim-witted, and <laughs> it was a it was a, it was a poor choice of words because because the, the, the point. I just want to say this to you, and I I do authentically apologize, but but I the 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 the, the point I was trying to make w- was that your voice can be disarming like when you first when you first in- are introduced as a character on the show you know like yeah, like, like right. it, it's yeah. a very like 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 gentle kind voice mm-hmm. and and it almost almost has like a and again i don't want to insult you but it has like almost like a like a 
like an animated cartoon type of feel to it. Like it's a voice of he's a, of going further an into movie. like insulting you. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, you are not I'm human digging, at all. I'm, I'm <laughs> digging myself into a deeper hole. But 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 <laughs> <laughs> go, go for it. <laughs> Podcasts be better if we're really mad at each other. But that that was what like what, what, what mm-hmm. I I felt it was like so ende- like part of the, one of the reasons I was so endeared um, and connected to your character is is that you were kind of disarming and and you you know on the surface level your expectations your first impressions might be that you're a certain that you're this kind of person when you're actually you know like the, the polar opposite you're you're, you're all you're of course like seem like a very kind gentle person but the, you're, you're also a brilliant master of your craft and 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 th- th- that was the point of what i was trying to say was that's that like anybody that's yeah. like well, i gotta say see- it was one of my favorite parts of that podcast i was like ah! and then i got my wife i was like hey, then you listen to the podcast because i think that comment really pulled us in <laughs> we really I, i'm, I'm glad you had a sense of humor shit. about it i mean yeah. we're all do i'm a shit talker I, I didn't think in my head that immediately you're going to listen to it later that night <laughs> but the thing is like okay and by the way jordan i just have to say like jay referred to you at least twice just now as the your character on, on the <laughs> right. show so right. like further like just dehumanizing you but I, it is a thing like right zach and like reality shows like people when they make tv shows producers do refer to people as characters because you are sort of separating the person you're dealing with behind the scenes from what you're building this character into, like this person into as part of the bigger story. Can you Abs- elaborate more on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there's, it, we, we actually are really careful to use the word participant in it when we're talking about alone, okay. because, because it's very different than say, I, I came up through Survivor at Mark Burnett, right? And those are contestants, right? The, the, when the, and this is, this is also a competition series. There is a prize at the end. And so uh, by, by game show rules, they are content, you know, the people that participate are contestants, but in, in the way we look at it as a participants, there is much a part of it, the production, the producing, the, the, the storytelling as we are, because we've taken that, you know, that producer, that director out of it, you know, they are now they are participating in the creation of the, of the story, not just subject, you know, not being, not just being subjects, but in the, to get to your point there, Jay, in the casting process, right. We go through this vetting process leading up to, you know, picking the, the top 10 people for the se- you know, for that particular season. And it is, it, th- there's an X factor that you cannot put your finger on as many times as we've done this, as many series as I've cast, as many series as I've produced, you know, you know, they're getting, you know, at this point we've done six, seven, eight seasons of alone. You can't tell when someone, you know, has, has that depth of will has the goods. You can tell if someone's skilled, you can tell if someone is a bold personality or, you know, is soft spoken or, you know, you can tell what type of personality traits they might have, but until they get out in the field, until they're launched, you just you don't know how it's all going to come together and mix like we there was no way to predict uh, and i had known jordan you know we'd gone through casting and you know testing and psychological testing and boot camp and you know camera training many interviews many conversations there was no way to predict Mm -hmm. crossfit that he was going to be the guy right you know nor you know nor any of the people it's it's really hard to tell yeah it is i imagine it's super hard to yeah, so many people predict are. it. 
big talk to you. And, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to speak for somebody who's not here, but like Nikki, who was in that season, right, right, right. she like told us on the other episode podcast that we recorded with Zev and Heidi that she was like, right away, I knew Jordan is going to win. She's like, when I met <laughs> this guy, he just had, you know, I mean, if you listen to her, she says, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and I believe her when she says it, but I think that's more like because she actually met you in real life. Like when you're watching this, well, part of the reason I love Alone is because it really, as an audience member experiencing the show, um, you know, you're going in blind and you're just being shown what what the editors and producers have cut together. It subverts your your expectations of, you know, like like when you first introduce characters, you know, like like everyone's kind of tough mm-hmm. and, and, you know, s- certain people exemplify certain certain elements of of classic archetypal toughness. But but. But as the show goes on, you see how how someone who who you might have put money on in the beginning falls to pieces and and, and like doesn't have that that psychological fortitude to to take them through to the end and 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 th- th- that's what like 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 I immediately was drawn to Jordan because because he you just had this this sort of like inner peace that that that, mm-hmm. that as we're watching the show I'm thinking I'm like we got to keep an eye on Jordan because he, he's he's you know um, experienced in that type of climate you know like that kind of Arctic Circle type of climate like that you have in, in Siberia but then not but then me. also that, that I'm that not have... in the Arctic Circle just so <laughs> oh, we're clear yeah. well part part of part okay. of Siberia so uh, um but 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 then also that you have the the the, the sort of like like inner stability to take you to the finish line. Um, I don't know. That, that, it, like, I just, I just, that's a part of the show that I really love is, is that it, it turns, it turns our notions of, of survival qualities upside down. But like, don't you oh, think yeah. there were other dudes, like maybe even in season seven, like that we saw that like, I don't even know, like, I don't want to say who, but like, you're like, oh, maybe they're like Jordan type, but they like fall apart because they can't like build something. Th- that's true. You know what well, I mean? It's well, like, you still have to come with skills and the personality. Like, right. I, to me, it comes down to the psychological strength, physical strength, and skill set. You know, and and I think that each one of those things carries a massive amount of weight in in your ability to be successful out there. And and I think yeah, that the all psychological, mm-hmm. yeah, well, the psychological pressures I think are something that as as we've gone from early seasons now into later seasons, we've seen this, uh, we've studied it more, I and mean, we're, we're we've got staff psychologists and staff physicians that are seeing things that have never been seen in, in certainly in television, but even in, in studies, you know, there are some prison studies, you know, on, on uh, solitary confinement, there are survival stories, you know, where there's, you know, written recordings, but nothing's been recorded in this way with people on their own as much as the folks, the participants are of alone are on. So my, my question, Jordan is, if you, do you think the psychological pressures, you know, and difficulties were, were harder than the physical, or would you say the physical? Oh, outweighed? I think they're really intertwined. Like, uh, like I think if you, if you, uh, you know, if you aren't successful on the physical realm, it's going to make the psychological aspect of it a lot harder. But if you are, you know, physically successful, we've seen a lot of people who, you know, have success fishing or doing this or that. That's still you know, don't really hack it out there. And so they're really so intertwined that I think it's, it's hard to parse. It would be kind of interesting to see how much you guys have looked at all that and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different story. Like your goal when you go out in that situation is to try not to, you know, to try to minimize how much you're going to suffer by successfully employing your skills. And if you can do that, then your the psychological aspect of it is relieved to some degree, but, uh, yeah, there's no escape in the 
you have to have uh, some mental fortitude to get through that long. It's uh... Jordan. I have a, like, had, what was your longest solo trip prior to the show? Like, what was the longest trip you had by yourself? It was about five weeks. Wow, five, five weeks. weeks. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, and and how long did you? How long? Seventy-seven, did right? Six last was it? How, how many yeah, days? Seventy-seven. Uh huh. I gotta say, I really fully expected it to be one twenty or one forty. Like I, I, I remember I, that reading so about shocked. it because you told your wife, right? You're like minimum is i'm gonna be gone for like 90 days or something right like that. right so like, somebody was gonna get the record <laughs> i figured <laughs> it was crazy it was uh no but uh yeah the psychological aspect of it it's it's super fascinating it definitely gives you a lot of applicable lessons to life you know like don't stress too much about the future you know live in the moment you know be grateful for what you have all those little there's a whole bunch of little lessons but so when you do say though, like the psychological, like, mm-hmm. I want to like zoom in a little more. Like, what do you mean? Like, does it mean like the aspect of the fact that you're on the com- competition show and you want to win? It's a whole broad. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of stresses that are on you, right? Because you're, for one, you just have no idea how long it's gonna go. So you 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 just think the worst, kind of like, oh, we're gonna be out here six months, or and can I be away from the kids that long? You think? uh psychological pressures of trying to not allow boredom i mean it's a crazy after i got the moose i thought you know what it's smart now to like chill out and conserve calories and i think i sat in my shelter for like two hours i'm like holy crap this is so boring (laughs) Uh, you know just like the longest morning of my time out there i gotta get out there and fish and do some stuff you know like so trying to maintain your not be super bored you like it'll really that brady on my season when he quit explained it well like if you if you want to experience what i'm going through just draw a circle and stand in it for 24 hours and see you know how you feel about that and Mm -hmm. and it is it was true if you if if you didn't stay active mentally and physically it would uh It'll ru- that's a big aspect that's interesting it. mm-hmm. so it's it's and a lot of times if you if the person is skill like uh, the skills are there a lot of times it's the boredom that kills you like or makes you like leave it, this is interesting because i haven't like thought of it it'll make it really hard it's so easy to lose perspective on how mm-hmm. you know in the end okay it was 77 days but if you're counting each day by each second and second you know it just can get so slow and so long but yeah if you get into projects that are hopefully productive or fun or whatever then you can try to pass time faster but yeah the, the, that's an element that i think editorially zach that you guys did a really good job addressing because it, it wasn't it, you know it, it's hard to, to show on screen um like like the negative space like like all the time that s- spent just waiting right. and sitting you know but but you do get a sense of it and, and and I don't know. Maybe Zach can can inform us on on how what you did in post production to kind of to, to kind of depict that. But, but I definitely got the sense that wow, like the days are stretching on, and like like a minute feels like an hour. And and if you if you have idle hands, it kind of slowly drives you insane, right? Like or you you start to lose your grip on, on on reality. The thing that we've that we've found is that for the first twenty to thirty days, everybody is moving like crazy right they've got food fire water shelter the basic tenets of survival that they have to get going right you know winter's coming they've got you know they've got to set up a shelter they've got to make sure they you know in in your case you had a massive lake but you've got to make sure you've got a sufficient water source yet your supply you know firewood supplies that you've you're finding a um you know you're finding vegetation wild edibles that you're finding a long-term food source you're and you're you're exploring your your land, you know that your area that you're that you've been dropped in, but 
So for that first month, you're going hard. You're getting all of those things ready. And then it, there comes a time where the shelters, you know, need some tweaks maybe, but it's set. Yeah. You know, you found a, you've, you've got traps set or you've got, you know, you know where your fishing spot is. You've got, uh, you know, where your wild edibles are. You, you know, where you, you've got firewood for days, you know, you, so those big projects start to slow down. And then all of a sudden we yeah. find the participants are, are left with a lot more time on their hands. And for anybody that ha has time on their hands, you distract yourself, right? You've got a phone, books, you know, right. whatever. You write, you draw, you, you, you go for a run. You, you can distract yourself, any, have a conversation any which way. Not, none of us are truly alone in this world unless we make it so. And in this case, they've got nothing to turn to, right? Except for the camera. And so that's where I think the psychological pressures, everybody's got a demon of some sort. And those demons start to come to the surface, especially after that day 30 mark we've found. Yeah, it's got to be fascinating from your guys' perspective to see all that, you know. We only get a fraction of it on the show, but just being able to watch the whole yeah, the whole thing go out. You guys should put out a director's cut, by the way. With all the well, we've, we definitely talk about it. And I think there's, I mean, there's so much fodder there. And, and so to that end, it's... Do people tap out for the true reasons that they're saying oh, they're right. tapping yeah. out, or do they yeah. crack and they say, "I oh, can't never sure. know"? Right. So, did I lose my ferro rod, really, or was I, you know? Oh or, wow! Even like that, yeah. I thought a lot of yeah. times would be like, "I'm like," they're like, "I'm, I'm just done. I just want to go see my kids," and I'm like, yep. "Is that what it is, or are you freaking out because you're remembering all the childhood trauma that's haunting yeah. you at night?" That's what mostly I was, what I was thinking. And there's some, <laughs> and, there, and I think there's everything, and I think there's everything in yep. between. I think people lack actually lose their ferro rod and i think some people huck it in the woods i mean i i you know i, I don't know but i also think that if you can push past those things the people that are able to to to, to go beyond those that time frame the 21 days the 30 days and i'd say it's every 10-ish days after that is a benchmark in that oh, wow. in that respect we found mm -hmm. and and it's a it is a fascinating look yeah. into the, you know, the you know, human psychology oh, yeah. because it's, it's fortitude, it's depth, it's these wells, it's these depth of willpower that people possess that are uncharted. And you can have that, you know, an amazing depth of will and a, and a good skill set or an amazing skill set and a lack of willpower. And the person with the good skill set and more willpower is going to go further, right? right? You can, if you can, if you can suffer, <laughs> frankly uh and have a decent skill set you'll go fairly far in this, in well this and show. i think like jordan spends a lot of time in russia so he probably is prone to suffering and enjoying it how were you getting out of those like black holes that maybe you were experiencing do you think like was it like thinking about your kids was it thinking about i'm probably gonna win this biatch yeah i mean i i gotta say having gone to russia and spend you know every time i went i would leave all my friends and family and you know and you just be like oh man you i didn't actually f usually feel like going to russia i usually kind of forced myself to because i knew it'd be good in the end and so it's like me going uh, to my yoga class but, okay sounds similar yeah <laughs> just a lot easier for me but yes having been gone you know i did a number you know five or so times where you're gone for a year and so it puts in a perspective your suffering and i remember really you know in my mind on the mental aspect, suffering at times in Russia, where I just sit there, oh, yeah. I didn't know the language yet, and you're just isolated. Man, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. 
but then you just have to stick it out for the whole year, you know, and then go home. And Russians and are weirdos, man. You have to like get used to the. <laughs> They're great. I actually love them. But then you, you go home and you, and it kind of gives you a perspective. So I think that was helpful on a loan because it was like, okay, this might suck, but it's only so much time. And the same, you know, and the same goes for, uh, having just a perspective on you know knowing history and knowing the type of suffering people have been through russians are good people <laughs> sort oh, yeah. the turns. and we know our history we love to talk about how much we've suffered and and you yeah. just put it into perspective yeah and having that perspective will help you deal with that suffering mm-hmm. a lot better that said when you're out there and it is really there's those boring times come like zach was talking about and you just don't know what to do with yourself you know you have to kind of dig deep and i would try to Dude, you know, there are different things that were helpful for that. But Well, you were doing some, like, music stuff, right? You were singing. Oh, my God. You were doing throat singing? Dude, that was the best part. <laughs> oh, yeah, that the, was my favorite tubin, thing. Seems a little to be desired. Oh, that, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That was my favorite. I'm, like, I'm like freaking out. I remember that. That was my didn't favorite. didn't impress like, any Tuvans or Mongolians. But <laughs> no, but, he, but you got the person from Kamerova. You got the Siberian from Kamerova. So here we go. Yeah, good, good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody loves a good Tuvan throat singer. Oh, man. I could listen uh, to that uh, shit. Moments. I sometimes it's drive in LA. I'm like, I'm gonna put on some throat, like throat singing, like yeah. Rrr, 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 oh yeah, because it's like a double of things cool. going. On. Oh, so good. Yeah, good yeah, yeah, yeah. sound. Yeah, yeah, it goes well around the fire. <laughs> so, so Jordan, so w- w- th- you mentioned that you did a five week solo. That that was like kind of y- y- your biggest solo trip you've ever had in the wilderness. Was that in right. in Russia or where? Yeah, was Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yep, it was. I was in some, you know off of some village in Siberia. They, they did fur trapping, my buddy, and mm-hmm. he kind of took me out and gave me a topographical map and pointed to where the cabins were and just had me go set all his traps for him or whatever. <laughs> 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 Huge learning curve, by the way. Russian <laughs> Mr. Miyagi. Yeah. So, so it was for work in a sense. It wasn't yeah, like you were stranded helping. or... No, uh, I, yeah, exactly. That like was a just, challenge. Right, I was living with them, and when you're living with them, you just kind of do what you can to be helpful so i was just trying mm-hmm. to be productive for him Open up. <laughs> so you so you, you you brought in the groceries or you go on a five-week tra- trapping <laughs> yeah. Uh, mission yeah, it's- <laughs> i gotta say it was it was funny because just on on the russian note it was like i'd been someone out there for five weeks i was like oh that's pretty cool you know you kind of mm-hmm. think that was, you know not many people do that that was tough and then i met some 16 year old kid and I was talking to him and he, and he goes out for six months every year <laughs> by himself oh with his dogs. He's like, I was like, man, how oh, do you deal with being alone oh, that long? He's like, Oh, I got dogs. dogs. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I love that kid already. Oh my God. With his dogs. Yeah. Well, I, I bet that, I mean, that probably makes all the difference that having companionship, even, I could do even that. a non-human, right? I, I mean, I, I would assume oh, that that would, that, that would help ease the psychological burden. Right. Yeah. And they're supplied and stuff, so you know, and you have your daily goals, and you're busy, and it kind of probably helps that pastime. How did you get sucked into the whole Russian uh, saga? Like, how did you? Uh, it was you like it's this? obviously, as you can imagine, a long story. But it was initially I had heard uh, a guy. Sorry, the squirrels keep jumping. Around. Uh, <laughs> they're welcome on the podcast too. We're welcoming. They're nervous around you with the exactly. squirrels. They, 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 <laughs> They know you. They know you're a hunter. They're like, get the fuck out of here, Jordan's here. Yeah, yeah. They can sense the pack leader around them. Yeah. The, um, uh, no, I initially went over to help this missionary guy build an orphanage, and and uh, and that was no big deal. The first catalyst of why I went over. But I just bought a ticket for a year, went over there. But you know, he was. I didn't want to live with 
an American, which he was. So he had lived in Russia his whole life. But he, uh, so he sent me to a Russian village so I could live with people that spoke only Russian. And I kind of just lived with them, you know, did their farm work, blah, 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 you know, cut hay with a sigh and did all that kind of stuff for a year. <laughs> Milk the cow every morning. I only met four Americans when I lived in Siberia. Yeah, like, I can many. tell you everything about them. It's not a lot. So I'm sure yeah. you were quite a sight. For everybody, like that's the Americanians, sabaka. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now a, a related question here on the five-week solo trip, but this is for Zach. So, so yeah. Zach, do do you find? I don't know how much you can actually disclose, but but um, but as far as other contestants go, like uh, do, uh like. Have you found that the people that have had actual lengthy solo trips in the past um, do better on the show? Or is, is Jordan kind of an anomaly that that has had a five-week solo? Because the, the reason I ask is because I, I notice a lot of times on on on, the, on Alone, the, the participants will be, you know, a lot of them will be, will be very good at their craft, at, at like making traps and survival skills, but they haven't actually gone a long uh, amount of time by themselves. And that's kind of what separates the, you know, the winners from the losers, it seems. So, so is, is Jordan's experience unique or, or is that common? It's, yeah, it's an interesting question. So to the, the, there's a bit of a longer answer, I guess. Many folks have come on and they've had solo experience. A lot of people even still have that experience with they've got supplies or they've, you know, people know where they are. There's an end in sight. They go with like a goal. I'm going to be out here for 30 days or I'm going yeah. to be out here for, for, you know, even, even 50 days. But it's right. I'm, that psychological twist of knowing when you're going to be done and having the right, they're, they're set up for success. They, you know, they brought supplies with them. They brought fire starter and they, whatever it is. You're, the difference here is you're dropping, you have, no idea when when you're going to be done you have no idea of the landscape that you're going to like what what you're getting dropped into so it's it is very what i'll say it's very rare that anybody's come in and done something that mimics or have done something that mimics this experience um the way it's set up yeah it's pretty unique and and i think what the, the common thread here is that whether they're a weekend warrior, you know, ex survival expert, or they're a survival instructor, you know, a bushcraft instructor, which we have everybody on that gamut, or a military, you know, survival expert or whatever, but everybody on that gamut, <clears throat> the common thread is they all want the experience to test their, their skill, test their limits, and do it in a way that ideally there's no loss of limb or life. Right, but it but push themselves right into the red zone, and I think that's what alone has done so well. What the you know we've done as a as a group is we've set this set it up so that we create this bubble, and it's a huge bubble, and they have no idea where the where the boundaries of the bubble exist as participants uh, to allow them to to test their skills, test their willpower, test their merit, test the thing that they've spent decades studying, and do it in a way that that only they can do you know they're they're in their own you know in their own world each each of the 10 have a vastly different experience uh because not every one location is exactly the same as another oh, i remember jordan complaining talking shit about his location <laughs> yeah. nobody will ever forget that oh i remember too everybody does yeah yeah because it, it was all burned it was all burned down right like it, there was a well, can you explain that like like the, the, it, there was a there was a fire the last season that had burned a lot of the vegetation well, it wasn't the last season but it had been one previously like you right. know and when we were 
flying in on the helicopter i was looking at my land of course you're trying to absorb as much as you can and i was like oh man my shoreline's shallow and then looking and like, oh my gosh all the trees are brown you know it's just all been all the trees are dead and then they dropped me there and i just was like what in the world you know because of course it was kind of a similar environment as siberia so that was a plus but uh, not like i would have chosen a place like that in siberia to live because there's no berries because they've all been burned and so there's no you're grouse because right. Oh wow! Gone and so no because there's not a lot of berries. There's not a lot of bear. Like I, I killed that moose who never saw a bear, and which is odd. Uh, so there was all those things that made my like plan A, B, and C just go right out the window when they dropped me off. And then I was just, I was kind of mad. I was like, <laughs> of all the places, dropped me right before the winter, you know, in the Arctic, and then put me in a forest fire. But you know, you just have to adapt. And and I guess that's just what you have to do: just adapt and get over it just adapt and get over it but you didn't scare anybody because you were so angry but like you're still staying a nice person like you can still tell with this voice you're like i am so angry i am like so pissed right now i'm like i mean like nobody's scared it's the same thing with uh rasamaha how do you say that thing oh yeah the wolverine yeah yeah wolverine you were like I am so mad right now at this guy. I'm going to, I'm like, wow, like I am sensing like zero anger, but, but it is that's what I'm though. saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying that like Jordan, <laughs> Jordan's energy, like, like it just inspires confidence. Like as we're watching the show and, and you get put into these bad situations or you get dropped in this area that's burned down, there's no berries. You're even keeled enough to say like, okay, like, like my, like you say, plan A, B and C are out the window. Let's make a new plan. And the, you know, it's it just such a, a radical difference from people who, because you're, everyone's going to encounter some sort of drama or some sort of tragedy out there and then it's the, the the people that can they can absorb that and not let it get them down and say okay like like if i'm surviving out here let, let's figure out a new plan for survival as opposed to dwelling on the negative yeah, and, i will and, say and, like they do a good uh yeah. since we're on the topic though i think the i was obviously upset about the spot but now, since the show you know i like look into it more and stuff and i don't i think it's i do think they're pretty even like they do a pretty good no, you're job only like, you're like, oh here. that you know this place has that resource that place has that resource and it's like uh it, they actually do a pretty good job of that and maybe in, overall if you look you might think oh overall that guy had a rougher spot or this or that but i think when it comes down to it you guys they do do a pretty good job of at least you know in the arctic i can speak for putting people where you have a chance you know what i'm saying like uh, you get, yeah and, and it's well, not like a sound stage like you have it's exactly. not sets that have been built it's like this is real it, like the, the 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 wilderness so everywhere you go there's going to be pluses and minuses mm -hmm. and, right. and and the beauty of the show and and the concept is that is it like like you jordan get put in this place that's not ideal and maybe is rougher than someone else's uh uh environment and yet you come up victorious because you're able to you're your, your capacity for problem solving is through the roof. Yeah, it's like a puzzle and you kind of have to unlock the key to whatever it yeah. is that makes your, you know, that will give you that ability to survive in your location. But it's, you know, as best you can. Do you think luck was a big part of you winning or not really? You don't look at it like that. Yeah, that's a good question. And it's hard to say, you know, like uh, people have talked about, oh, I got lucky on the moose or this or that. But I mean, I'm sure I don't know how much of the footage Zach watches, but you see so much on the show, but in, you know, in real life, it's like, well, you can say it's lucky, but then you also like I built alarm systems and fences and like put in tons of work to try to try to make it actually happen. And I sat there and would just sit there and call moose for hours. And, 
And like without like without the alarm system, I probably would have never known that the moose was walking by it. You know, like I would have just slept through it and thought in the next morning, man, there's no moose in my area. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you kind of you have to set yourself up. Yeah, you have to set yourself up for for that success. What you do is you try to improve. Yeah, you improve your odds of having success by the things you do. It doesn't. There's no guarantees, but so there's always some uh, element of chance, and it's just. But you really can affect your odds of having a encounter. But to an amateur, like to me, I'm watching season seven or even season six and I see other people who fail, but I don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. And they, I'm like, well, they're doing the right thing, you know, because I don't know any better. I'm like, they're doing the right thing because they're like, talk about I've it. They're so like, curious. here's the thing. Yeah. They'd be like, I'm not going to build a shelter. Like there'd be like a person. Right. I'm not going to build a shelter. I'm just going to leave the shelter later. Let right. me just stick with other stuff. And like later I find out like shelter is like pretty much number one with fire thing to take care of before you take care of the food but like as i'm watching it i'm like totally buying into like they've got a great strategy so Uh, like for you though like and for zach like with a professional eye you can see that like oh this person is going the wrong way maybe like but for me i'm like they're all doing the right thing i'd be so curious to see from zach's perspective you know like what people do (laughs) like the whole it gets probably pretty fun to see the whole how it all plays out and then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, it, I mean, it, it is. And you start to see some patterns. I mean, and I, I ultimately, so kind of talking about the, the participant sites um, for a second, it is we're kind of threading a needle in, in that we need 10 sites to have, you know, relatively the same resources for everybody. So it's fair. But you're right, Jay, like not it's the wilderness. Not, you're not you're not going to find 10 identical sites. Right. So there's a balance. And we have uh, survival experts on staff that help us evaluate the sites. And, and I've, you know, I've gotten to a point now that I'm pretty good at it myself, but I still bring, you know, we still have those folks that, that coach us and make sure that if they say it's good, then I trust that it's good. You know, these are, um, you know, Dave Holder, for instance, you know, shout out to shout Dave. Shout out, ama- show. I'm probably not. Yeah, yeah. he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also need them to be, within striking distance of our, of our safety teams that we have out there so that if there's an emergency, we can get to them, you know, that we have um, that our boats can get in and out that we can get a helicopter in and out if need be for, you know, for rescue missions. So there's, they have to be close enough so that uh, we can get to them, but not close enough that they can see or hear any of our activity. So it's, it is a bit of a, it's a bit of a puzzle. Um, and so, and then when you, in terms of choosing who goes where, we do a blind choice. You know, you essentially are picking a, you know, a number out of a hat. I mean, sometimes we flip, a, you know, we've got 10 stones with a number on it. You flip your stone and we always film it. And so Jordan picked his own site. I mean, it could have been any number, any one so, of those people. Here we go, Jordan. Next time you complain, think about it. <laughs> but I, yeah. but the, my point is, is I knew, of course, we knew that there was a forest fire there. And we knew that that was going to cause you know, uh, some hurdles for people, but we also spent some time there to right. understand that there were a lot of rabbits in that location. That there, yeah, yeah. There were yeah. other opportunities, but yeah. it was up to the participant to land there and figure it out and rise to the occasion, which I he, think, I think Ray had a good uh, angle on. I appreciated Ray's approach because uh, he, if watching the show, he would be the guy you think, Oh, he got the worst spot or something. If you just watch the show, 
but he actually, after the show, you know, the guys took him out and showed him how many fish were off his shoreline, you know, and that he could just catch all these fish. And so then I heard him discussing later that like he did have a lot of fish, but he's not, he wasn't really a fisherman, you know, like, he was a good mm-hmm. hunter. And, so, and, and it, and it, so he just was, you know, made it hard to make the most out of his area because his area had a lot of fish. And I, you know, so it, it's, uh, just half, you know, being able to adapt. I really appreciated his input on that, you know. Has, but I think you're right, adaptability. But you just said it. Adaptability is the name of the game, right? It, it, I really thought I was going to be hunting bears out there. That was like my plan A, and I just never saw. I was going to say, are you the moose man? I guess you're the bear man. Even with a giant <laughs> pile of moose, you know, like it, like you know, <laughs> so it's, you just have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like like just on the subject of luck, like it it can easily be misconstrued that it's luck, but it's like what luck really is, is a whole shitload of, of hard work and perseverance and then a little bit of timing, you know, like, and and there's luck where like the luck of the draw, right? So you get the luck of the draws, you got this, this one area and maybe another like true element of luck is like, Oh, there's like a, there's an abandoned boat that was, that was like buried in mud on, you know, that you were able to, to salvage like that. That's more luck. But like, but you, you know, what I think a lot of people misconstrue as luck is, is someone's really, um, uh, uh, hard earned, like manifesting of reality. Like so you, you say, well, I have to manifest something positive out of it. So you create your own reality and it, you're right. No, that is, it's a good way to put it. It's like, uh, it's complicated. There are, there are situations that are almost just blind luck, you know, like I had some funny ones in Siberia where like a bear just killed a moose right next to my, you know, my, my cabin and I like went out and there was a whole moose laying there you know, the bear off and had a moose. I was like, <laughs> I used to laugh, you know, on the show. I was like, Oh, how funny would that be? If that's how somebody won, just bear came, killed your moose, <laughs> it off, and there you go. Did all the hard work. Right. So that was blind luck. But what I will say is like in that situation on that show, it was a relatively lower percentage of luck. Just like the amount of like, you know, you got to, you could, a lot of people, I'm not sure. Zach knows this better, but like how much do people, I don't know how much people like the balance between how much people walk around and hunt and are active versus how much they try to chill near their and, you know, not burn calories. You can't really tell on the show. I know I was airing definitely on the side of being active and being out there and doing that helps you increase the odds you have an encounter just being out in the woods, obviously. And then all the setting up and the, you know, the other stuff we already talked about so and then of course you have to have some degree of luck that there's a animal that ever walks by but i do think that the nice thing i liked about the arctic was that there were animals you know there was i think for i don't know i imagine for most people they're probably animals but i don't know well and and so to answer your question the the amount of movement that a participant uh you know get, gets you know does mm-hmm. is directly proportional uh, how successful they are in, in procuring food. So right, the more food right. they've got, the more the more active they feel they can be, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and then there's the psychological thing, like, you know, uh, where you, people might start hoarding food, thinking I'm going to save this for a rainy day, not eat it. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, you're doing yourself a detriment because you're, you know, your health is failing and, yeah. uh, you know, yet you've got, you've got food. So you were, you, you were great. You know, you, you, were very successful uh, with terrestrial uh, creatures, and 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 I think you're right that the the Arctic Circle that location was probably our most active, you know, in terms of 
land. Yeah, it rewarded activity well. Yeah. Yes, it really did. Most most of the other locations, Vancouver Island was more. The food mostly came from the sea. It mostly right, right. came from from the water. But you seem pretty comfortable, uh, Jordan, with that net you made that blew my mind. And then you're like just making the fish happen at the end. So, you know, I mean, you know, we talk about you as a terrestrial man. (laughs) Yeah, there was some fish. You can't show everything, but definitely there were some fish that were a blast to catch. So I I enjoyed the fishing up there. They were so big in that lake. Biggest fish I've ever caught, you know, like on your little wooden stick rod, just like, oh my gosh, barbless hooks. Yeah. Wow, it's so exciting. Yeah, yeah, it was exciting fishing for sure. Everything's exciting because you're so dependent on it. It's like I couldn't couldn't buy a Lamborghini and get that excited as I did just pulling a fish (laughs) out of the water. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I think like what for you was like, okay, like the peak for me is excitement when I get some, you know, uh, something's going to support my survival here. And the bottom of my uh, emotional journey on this show is boredom. I think for many people, though, like, it was maybe the bottom was going to a darker place. Like for you, it was like boredom. It's like, where's the worst place? But there's the places below boredom, you know, that people I think were falling. Yeah, in. it would be a hard place. Like if you had a lot of skeletons in your closet and issues to deal with, like bad relationships and stuff like that, I think it would be a bad place and a bad way to go about working your way through them. I don't, you know, it just, you, you know, I would recommend someone going on the show, like try to, resolve your issues before you go out there you know don't leave them out there because it's uh yeah because you think about all those things even i don't have a ton of skeletons in my closet but i have like even people that i would think about out there like man i don't keep in touch with this person or that person Mm -hmm. and you just and you think about a dark thought yeah what a dark (laughs) dark what a what a fucked up person you are (laughs) there's worse ones i'm sure (laughs) that's interesting that that you say that that the show like you shouldn't look at it as a form of therapy because i I never really thought of it like that where like like you have to go in kind of fully self-realized otherwise you're going to be confronted with your demons all alone there in your cabin on on day 85 and 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 it's gonna gonna eat away 20 or 30 according to zach yeah yeah exactly like like as 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 (laughs) well some people some people it hits earlier that's for sure but i and that i mean it's so true it you you you, you don't know. And I, and I think, and Jordan, only you amongst us here can, can tell us what it's like. But I think that that moment that you're dropped and uh, the participant is standing there alone for the very first time. And, uh, you know, they, it's been a whirlwind, right? They've been traveling. We've, we've done this boot camp. There's always people around. They're, they're constantly in groups. They're constantly being monitored. And then, boom, they're dropped. The helicopter flies away. The boat pulls out. And then there's dead silence. <laughs> And they're truly alone. And I think for many of the participant, it, participants, it hits them like a ton of bricks. You know, I, I, you tell us, Jordan, but I mean, oh, yeah. my, it, my it was sense. A, and, it was a, it's a, such a surreal experience because now you're just dropped and, and it's just it's hard to imagine like, oh, here I am with these few things and I got to make a life here. You know, like somehow, and I'm not even in a place that I would choose. You know, like you're just like, you're just dropped in some random spot next to a bush and you're like, what? What in the world? <laughs> now go. <laughs> go. And it is, it's pretty wild. For me, the psychologically, the hardest part was the uh, not knowing when it would end. And I kind of, you know, it, and I, I think that was 
That was yeah, not, and not knowing right, not knowing who else is out there. You start with I know, I, yeah. Know. I gotta admit, every time the helicopter flew somewhere, I'd be running out on the lake or whatever, looking like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's got to be that's got to be probably the most like the thing that's thought about least, but the most maddening element is that there's there's no there's no finish line in sight. There is a finish line, but you never know where it is. You never know how far away you are. From Unless it. you're on season seven, spoiler alert. <laughs> right, but, spoiler but, alert. But 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 you know, like if if you were um, you know. If, if you had an end in sight, like it, it must must change the game completely. It, made, it made it really hard for like even physically because you don't know how much of your food to eat each day because you right. don't know if you're going to be out here six months. So, I, you know, like if I just knew it was so long and I could just eat this whole, whole moose in this amount of time, you can just rah, gorge yourself. But if you think, man, this thing might have to stretch me through February, you know, then you have to then you got a whole nother angle to even on how to eat, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah. And that's one reason why I think that the show is so gripping is because it really does replicate as close as humanly possible, like, like the, a survival situation where if you were, if your plane crashed and you were stuck in the middle of the Arctic circle alone, and you know, like you, who know, it might be years before you're, you're discovered or never like, so, mm -hmm. so it replicates this scenario that you'll, you'd never have. Like when you had your five week solo in Siberia, you had, there was an end in sight. Like, like, like 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 you knew how to get yourself out of that situation you know that what alone does is it puts you puts you in this situation where but but then at the same time you've got that get out of jail free card like you you've always got the temptation which is, which is of worse, of, of the yeah. sat phone to drive you insane to be like i can i can make this all end now and if i don't i'm here forever i have no idea what the <laughs> end is it's 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 a brilliant uh scenario to put people through it is a well-planned show and i actually like the gear list that you get it's kind of like a it's what what you need to potentially be sustainable and live out there, but it's also no more than that. And it's kind of mm -hmm. you know and allow yeah I, I do like the way it's set up. So filming yourself element, Jordan, for you was that uh, like an oh hell I have to do deal with this, or was it like well thank God at least I have something to do. Like I said, I, for me it was an advantage or not an advantage, but I liked it more than when I was in Siberia with nothing. Like in Siberia, okay. I remember there's a point where I was out there like three weeks. I came into a beautiful area and I was just like, wow, that's beautiful. And then I was like, oh, weird. That was my voice. Like, I haven't actually heard my voice in three <laughs> weeks. <laughs> and it like struck me. Whereas, of course, on alone, you're like talking to the camera, feel like you're trying to interact, you know, like trying to share it with people. I did a lot of dumb skits to try to pass the time and like try to like, you know, try to use it as a tool also in... They use it to apply for SNL, like uh, you are. <laughs> <for SNL later. laughs> you didn't pass. I'm sorry. Um, Jordan, if you didn't win this, oh, some spoiler, guys. Jordan won season six. But if you didn't win the show, right? What if you done it anyway? I definitely went out there with the goal to win. I got to say, like, I've done, I've done all that stuff for free. And I've done it. I didn't really have anything to prove. Like, I didn't feel like I was proving a lot to myself. A, a, a hidden thing I didn't even realize until I got out there was that it was a really cool opportunity to show people that I, you know, care about this other side of me. Because all my friends and family in America haven't been to Russia with me, so they don't really see that aspect as much. And so it was, I was like, man, this is a cool opportunity to be able to share that. So again, it was something I appreciated about the cameras, but... Would I have done it anyway? Well, I definitely. There were times where I thought, I don't know if this would be worth it if I don't win. So I better try to win. Right. 
<laughs> Were you pissed when you learned that season seven, uh, Roland, gets a million instead of half a million? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was waiting for the uh, check from the History Channel. I thought they might. <laughs> Where's my other I half? Wish, man, I wish I would have the option, man. Another couple weeks up there would have been great. I would have loved it. <laughs> Do you think Roland is a badass? Do you know him? I don't know him. He definitely knows his stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> the thing about the filming aspect of it is, you're giving people a full-time job, right? Survival is a full-time job yeah, out there. Yeah. And then you're laying another full-time job on top of them to do at the same time. So, so filming, and I'd love to know your perspective, but my, my take on it is it slows you way the hell down, right? As a survivalist. Oh, it definitely affects your ability. Yeah. Like I said, I really, you know, it definitely slows you down. First moves, it yeah. has, an, yeah. it has a psychological, it could, can be if you, have the right perspective a psychological plus but in general yeah. it's a big drag on everything you're trying to do like you know right it's the it's the give and take right so the yeah. the what we're providing is this you know this experience right this this platform this ability this to to, to showcase your skills and mm -hmm. and go out and survive and create this this create an environment by which you can actually test your skills in, in a way that you haven't done before right but the but the flip side is the trade-off is you have to film yourself, right? That's yeah. the, and and like we're we're there on one end and you're there on the other. But I'd say that people that find success on the show, participants that find success, lead into filming the way that you did. People right. that, that you accept it, and, I, and it's something that I say as part of my you know one of my speeches before people. Yeah, launch I kind of remember that, but you wouldn't really necessarily believe you. You're just trying to get us to film. But it's right. actually true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the producer. Like, in that's it, the know. producer, right? <laughs> you know, but I'm like, if you if you lean into it, if you lean into it as a positive thing, you look at it as a, right. you know, something to fill your time, something to focus on, something to to put your hands to. It'll take you further in the in in the experience. Now, it's not the only. There's a lot of people. Like if you talk to people, everybody's always saying, "Man, I would." What are people doing? Those idiots. Like they should be out hunting and fishing, and us all the time which is basically what I tried to do. But even if you try to do that, you're still going to have downtime and you're still going to like, you know, it, it, no matter how hard you try to exclusively hunt and fish and trap, you're going to, you, like Jack said, leaning into that will actually, oddly enough. Yeah, it helps. And so like you look at, you know, I can tell, I can tell you, you know, season to season, the people that filmed and it also, well, the people that filmed the most, it, it, they, they went a little bit further. There were a lot of people that were good that didn't have any interest in filming. So they didn't film that much and they didn't end up on screen that much. Yeah, we, right, we, right. You know, we didn't, we didn't, we don't choose like, I, you know, it's pretty unbiased. This, the story dictates what makes it on, on camera and what, what makes the final cut. We're weaving together different stories. We're balancing different participants but ultimately, it boils down to who's given us the most material to work with. Right. And Zach, it, it's something I wanted to compliment you, you, you on, and and the, and the other shows, producers and creators, is that it is like the, the hardest thing to me in unscripted television is is to uh, resist the temptation to add stuff to to kind to kind of produce it, you know, because you're you're sitting there and you you're you're photographing, capturing reality, and you're waiting for something to happen. And and a lot of times people get a little nervous and they just throw something into the mix to make something happen artificially. And and, and obviously on a loan, like that is completely taken out of the equation. And and it's 
you know, to, to, to put all this money and effort into, into something that like is so tenuous, that, 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 that's so fragile, you know, this idea that people would be shooting themselves, fil filming themselves, get, getting usable audio and, and, and video that you can make a show with like that trust and that faith in, in like the, the medium itself is, is, is really commendable. And, and you don't see that on other shows, like, like, like no matter what kind of survival shows or, or any kind of unscripted shows, like, like th th there's, there's always some kind of like little, you know, like poking and prodding from behind the fourth wall. And you really don't see that whatsoever in, in, in alone. It's, it's really, they actually, yeah, they really don't have that. Uh, you know, the, it's all, yeah, it's not like they're affecting anything while you're out there. If anything, they might tell you it's to incredible. build more or something, but there's no, like, there's no setting up your, you know, this or that. Uh, they actually, what I'm surprised though, Zach, it almost seems like you could probably do, I mean, it seems like you guys must have tons of footage. You guys have so much good footage. Cause it's like, uh, just from my experience, it's like, well, I, I might've had like a total of an hour of airtime, you know, from 77 days. And it's like, there's a lot of stuff you could and they actually it's oddly impressive how much they fit into that hour like you know like mm -hmm. right they do a pretty good job of showing a lot of the cool things but there are still a lot of things that don't make mm -hmm. it and i imagine everyone has that they do like why one i'm always curious why there's not a director's cut or like youtube stuff well so i mean the, the, those are conversations that are constantly being had with the execs at history i mean to, to you know a couple points there i mean to your point jay I give a lot of credit to the execs at History Channel for taking taking that chance because you oh, truly yeah. you truly don't know if you're going to have a series, and especially right. in the early seasons. Is oh, there yeah. going to be enough footage to even fill out a you know a, a season? And and in season one in particular, you know they dropped down to four people within the first week. Six people <laughs> dropped out by day seven in in season one. And so, spoiler alert: if anybody not <laughs> seen it, uh, it's me. I don't know. And and so it was. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And then with each passing season, it became more and more apparent that we, you know, we, we would be able to do it. Then from an editorial perspective in post, I mean, there's an army of people, right. Sifting through all the material to, to, to kind of figure out exactly what's there. But the, the producers, story producers and the editors, I give, you know, uh, the utmost credit to it's challenged my abilities as a storyteller in ways that I never thought, possible in this in the in the unscripted television um, you know we really had to rethink how we how we tell the stories and how they're weaved together and, and take a lot of material that maybe audio is bad or the yeah. coverage isn't perfect and yeah, find yeah. snippets and, and piece it together in a way that a doesn't seem contrived and and b is you know is accurate right if it, if it you know we may take you know a fish jump from day two and put it on a, a shot from day three but we don't really stray too much off, you know, the, the reality and the timeline that it actually happened. And so to your point, Jordan, there are things that hit the cutting room floor that are amazing, but don't fit the timeline. Like we, we right. could actually fit something from day 20 into a scene from day 50, but right. it's at, it's too far out of, it's, mm -hmm. it's too far away. And that's, those are, those are you know, and there's uh, snow too, so it doesn't look the same. And, well, right, and facial hair and weight loss and and yeah. things like that that happen. But still, you know, with especially with the women, because there's no facial hair growing, right. um, you could futz with the timeline if we, we so chose. But we we truly want to make the most authentic series out there possible, and so we don't 
You know, we yeah. really don't mess with the timeline. And so things hit the cutting room floor if they, if, cause we only focus on a handful of people per episode and if something great was happening mm-hmm. with this person and we, we try to find a place to put it in, but if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. It hits, it hits the, yeah, hits the yeah, yeah. it doesn't see the light of day. I, I love how you guys resist the temptation because, cause again, like you might have this great scene and the camera work is it's out of focus and you can barely see what's happening. So you, you, you know, you rely on the audio instead, but like, but what you don't do is you don't fall into the temptation of like, shooting a, a pickup Pick shot ups, or, you yeah. know, or, or, or trying to make the, the, you know, introduce some kind of artifice into the whole equation. And, well, and, and honestly, when I first heard about the show, I thought I, I'm not going to like this show because it's shot by amateurs and it's, it's gotta be hor- horrendous to watch. Like you, just, just as a director and cinematographer, you know, on, on a technical basis, but it really was not. And, and even when the, the footage is, is, is messy and raw and, and kind of fucked up quote unquote. Um, I loved it. I love that you, that you resisted the temptation to make it, make the quality better and tell the story differently with, with fake visuals. Like you, you know, because as soon as you do that, the whole thing collapses on itself. Like as, as soon as you, if you were to introduce like, like, like for instance, if, if, if the the note came down from the from the tower and it said it said we need to have like a funny challenge where they roll barrels up the hill and they get a they get a sack full of rice you know if they if they if they're successful i mean immediately that would just deflate the entire show like, like just adding anything artificial yeah, yeah. so i love the fact that you that you you maintain purity in in that respect you know it makes a big difference from from the journey the audience goes on with the show and the, the investment the audience puts into it no, thank. Well, thanks. I mean, it's it, it is. It, I think it is one of the things that makes it so special. We we that yeah. that balance. We because we do have camera operators that are out there shooting our B roll, right? The beauty right, shots right, and those right. interstitials. Sure. So, but the balance between that material and what the participants are filming, I think, heightens both. Right. So you truly mm-hmm. see you see this beauty shot, these beauty shots. You're like, oh, that's stunning. And then you immediately know once you've transitioned over, you know, air, you know, with those aerial shots and, and land on Jordan's site as a viewer. OK, I, the, the, the POV has been handed back to the participant. I'm on the ground with them and I'm seeing life through their lens. And if you know, if their horizon line is off or they're filming themselves and you can't see their head, it adds yeah. to the reality. It adds to the authenticity. I mean, one of my favorite moments of the series, uh, like uh, in history of the series is the night you went after that Wolverine Jordan, you know, yeah, when I, you stood there and you had that camera at knee length and it was, you know, it was in IR and that night vision. And I mean, it, when I saw the raw footage, I was looking at it at our base camp yeah. at, when it kicked in it was like a horror film. It was, <laughs> it, you, it was. you couldn't, I, in my mind, I'm like, this is going to be the best scene ever when it's edited, because if it's this compelling, right. raw, <laughs> until we put some music behind it and we, you know, we, we do edit it <laughs> no, a little no. bit because you went off, you walked off with your ax into the darkness and you were off, ca- off camera mad. At, at, mad. And you just hear the audio of what you're doing with this Wolverine. And then you, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The one, of my biggest, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't grab the camera and bring it. Of course it's in the moment, but can you imagine, but you probably wouldn't have been able to show it honestly, but I don't you know hold the camera and then you murder the Wolverine <laughs> yeah, with your exactly. other hand. It's very simple. Jordan. But I think from a yeah, from, but as a storyteller, it was it was amazing, and it and it just was so compelling, and it was so real and so raw that to your again back to your point, Jay, it those are hard moments to capture in any any other way. 
Yeah, and, and in an ironic way or, or, or unexpected way, it's very cinematic because, like, what, you know, in cinema and in, in movies, sometimes what you don't show is is even more vibrant because yeah. then that that you don't show the 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 act of violence, and then the audience creates that picture in their head, and right. and so like like it maintains the legitimacy of, of of the scenario, which is like you just put the camera on the ground and then went to go hunt the Wolverine. You left frame, and we hear the audio, and, and we. And we we illustrate all the visuals in our head, and and again, it like activates the audience's imagination. And it, I mean, it's it's like it's Blair Witch Project all over. Yeah, again. Exa- exactly. That, that it's a very <laughs> primal moment of television. Yeah. I mean, I, the, holy cow! I can't, like with the moose and stuff, it was, that was just one of the most exciting days in my life. Up and down roller coaster, but the Wolverine was just like something else. It's like Heart pumping. Like into something else. It literally really was like primal. Like ah. You know, <laughs> all this happened, and then you just think back, wow, what just happened? Whoa, that was crazy. You know, like, crazy. I just have, like... Because the- it was coming It was coming for your food, right? It was it was primal, because it was it was about survival. Those, oh, that, yeah, that- it was like he had, he had set the parameters that it was, like, either me or him on that island, basically. Like, you know, he was just... R.I.P. After that it. Poor, yeah. That poor guy, what do they call it? Apparently, they call it... Skunk bear, mountain devil. I was reading an article about it in National Geographic. That's what they call mountain devil. You killed a mountain devil, Jordan. I know you guys are busy, so we're going to start wrapping up here. I was going to ask you, Zach, what is the closest you come in your life to living the survivalist, like like living like a survival in the wilderness? So my, I think like Jordan, I, I, there's a place that has sort of captured my imagination early on. It was uh, East Africa. Uh, So I spent a lot of time in Kenya and Tanzania, about a year or so um, in my 20s. And I lived with uh, a bunch of various tribes there. Uh, And I I spent, I don't know, there were probably 30-day stretches at at various times. Um, I studied archaeology. That's what my my degree is in. And so I was doing a dig uh, down in southern Kenya in Magadi, and I spent probably, I don't know, 35, 40 days there. But again, we we had, you know, some relative relative support. Yeah. But I'd say that was probably the, the, the longest stretches for me. But that's what got me into like cool wanting to, I, wanting to film. I ran into a film crew from National Geographic out there, and that's how I kind of caught the bug of wanting to get into this side of things. And uh, you know, I've been doing it ever mm-hmm. since, really. Do you uh, go crazy camping, like with no supplies? Uh, I <laughs> your own version of the show. My own version. <laughs> when you're not making the show, do you just do you just subject yourself to the same yeah. uh, scenario? Just not so you understand the level, where they're coming from. I would never ever deign to put myself on the level of these <laughs> these folks, the participants. But I've picked up a, a skill here and there, and I you know oh, yeah. building building some shelters in the woods behind the house with my girls. And, you know, I just went out with my, my youngest, uh, just before this call, actually, we were hauling, you know, hauling in some logs and we're going to, you know, build, (laughs) build some stuff in the garage. But so, yeah, we're, we're out there. I do a little weekly survival school now that we're doing home, you know, homeschooling. So I take two hours, you know, once a week and I take them out into the woods and we work on, 
fire building or shelter building or awesome, whatever yeah. whatever it is yeah that's yeah. great so, uh, i feel like you two guys i mean mostly zach but also jordan for your becoming a celebrity of sorts it's like you guys kind of inspired a lot of you know people to connect to nature like um I, j- b- before we wrap things up i just want to say one thing which is that i, I think the the show like is <laughs> is such an important show to the history of cinema and film it's not just like an entertaining tv show i mean like like i i, I was telling zach in an email a lot you know uh, weeks ago that that you know i i have a degree in in film theory no big that, deal that's what i that, well that's what i studied in college is like film theory where it's like you know you, you watch films and you apply these like kind of you know kind of uh, head in the cloud theories about everything and what, what like one thing that 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 uh, the world of 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 academia cinema academia has been exploring is is this idea of cinema verite and so like you know like like through documentary how can we truly be truthful in our documentaries and and uh, you know like like what constitutes truth and and i think alone needs to be studied by film schools because it's it's kind of the only time that that there has ever been a true cinema verite which is which is like a as close to a um an objective view on reality now now of course it's not completely pure because you're using cameras and using uh you know sound and you're pointing the camera editing. in a certain way you're using editing you're telling a story but like there's something about what what alone does which is it gets into the the psychology of human beings like 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 and the experience of human beings like no one ever has and and, you know just like the it's like you're getting a, a a view into someone's subconscious and psyche because because they're talking to the camera as if they're they're thinking aloud if, if that makes sense but i i just want to say like i think it's a really important work of art and and it needs to be studied people need film theorists need to write books about it i mean it's really something special and, and unique and i th- thank you guys for 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 bringing it to us and i think individually like it it is especially during this very rough year on many people it it undeniably has has been uh, like associating with the hero and, you know, taking on this hero's journey and, you know, having a transformation and catharsis as a, you know, in the very ancient like Greek sense of like coming out cleaner and maybe happier at the end because it is sort of like a psychedelic trip in the sense that like you, you really feel like you've been through the rough, rough times with these people as you watch it and because you know it's real. So and I think for many people, they have very deep feelings about the show. So thank you both for making it what it is to all of us. Yeah, it's truly special. You should be very proud of it. I appreciate that so much. I really do. Uh, uh, thanks so much for saying that, Jordan. Man, it's so good to to see you. Uh, I'm glad everything's <laughs> going well. Yeah, man. Likewise, it's cool. It'll be fun to meet up sometime. Absolutely. Let's get it together. I'm in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to check out our previous episodes about TV show alone, one of them is an interview with Nikki Van Scheindel of season six. Check them out on our podcast feed, anywhere you get your podcasts. And hey, why don't you subscribe to this podcast? Maybe give it a rating on Apple and uh, follow us on Instagram. We don't do a lot of things on Instagram, but it might be helpful to sometimes to check in. We always have something new cooking and all kinds of eclectic new topics coming up. So just follow us on Twitter and Instagram at shoutoutbylovit1. Thank you, Elizabeth Salute, for artwork. Thank you, Bry Walker, for this music. And thank you for listening.